Greetings. You're listening to the third episode of ABF Journal's COVID-19 focused podcast series, where we assess how the coronavirus pandemic continues to shape the current landscape of the asset-based finance industry. I'm Phil Neifer, Managing Editor of the ABF Journal, and in this episode, I spoke with Jeffrey A. Wurst, a senior partner at Ruskin Moscow Faltashek, and a longtime contributor to the ABF Journal. He shared some of the silver linings of working from home, as well as his expectation of an uptick in bankruptcy filings from mainstream middle market companies and a return to so-called old-fashioned bankruptcy. He also spoke about what the federal stimulus package could mean for lending and bankruptcy and a lot more. So let's get to the call. How are you doing, Jeff? Doing well, Phil. This is a difficult times, but uh, it's uh, good to have the opportunity to speak with you. Yeah, well, thank you for taking the time. Um, so we're just going to get uh, started right away. Um, how has your firm been handling the impact of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, currently, both for customers and employees? Let me start with employees, because I think that's probably a little more difficult. You know, uh, a law firm is is a business like any other business, and this is a very difficult time. Uh, we have our staff working from home. Uh, we have some some support staff that has been furloughed, and they are going without pay. Uh, what we have been able to do is, uh, and we've also cut pay for uh, for those who, everyone who's remaining on task, and the owners of the firm are uh, are going without pay for the moment. Uh, those who were furloughed uh, are retaining benefits, and uh, we're trying to extend comfort and support to our entire staff. That that uh, they are appreciative of us, and we're very appreciative of of their work effort and the level of commitment to the law firm. And hopefully, we'll all be able to work together and and get through this difficult time together. Clients, you know, clients hopefully will find this to be almost transparent. Uh, we are in a uh, in, in uh, an era of remote working anyway. I, I do a lot of remote working. If I'm if I'm out of town on business or even on vacation, uh, very often clients don't even realize it because um, I always try to be accessible. They can call me on my office number or my mobile number. They can get me. So it's, I don't think, at least for, for me, it's not significantly different from the way I ordinarily practice, except I'm spending more time remote. Actually, I'm spending all time remote instead of any time in the office. But um, so it's pretty much business as usual, you know, with a lot of extras. You know, we're, um, from the litigation point of view, we're still, we're still bringing lawsuits. So I can come back to that later with some interesting wrinkles to it. Uh, I, I, I was I had a matter that got settled yesterday. Uh, we're documenting. We're closing. Uh, we're closing transactions. Um, but for also, but we try to be very sensitive to the needs of the clients, and they have very different needs now than usual. So, for example, if you go to our website, you see that we now have a um, a, a COVID. Um, uh, I'm trying to switch so I can get you the correct name. Uh, but we have a, a, a COVID-19 alerts. We've, we've published, I, don't, I can't even tell you how many alerts. Um, we've had an alert on corporates, uh, several on corporates and securities issues. We have cybersecurity alerts that are out there. We have employment, and, and employment has been such a, a pressing area because people don't know what to do, um, or at least at, maybe by now they do, but last week certainly this was all new to them, and the week before was all, all new. What, how do you deal with the employment issues? We have health law issues. Obviously, we have issues from my group from financial services, banking, and bankruptcy. We've had alerts from the insurance and insurance litigation group, from real estate, from tax. So all across the board, there are issues that really come to life as a result of, of what we're going through. And we've got to be there ready to uh, to answer our clients' questions and to help them where they uh, 
where, where they have problems. But hopefully, from a client's point of view, we're able to step up. And even though we're not sitting uh, in the office, we are sitting by a phone or by a computer, and we're able to be responsive to them and take care of their needs uh, every single day. Uh, yeah, and you kind of already touched on the remote working and uh, things of that nature. Um, but your firm is based in New York, and as far as I can tell, law firms uh, don't qualify as an essential service. Um, has that had any impact on your business? Are you less able to do it because you're not at full capacity? You've kind of already spoken to that, but has, has that affected it at all? I, I use a, not essential. Someone is saying that lawyers are not essential. I'm, I'm shocked by that. How, how, how could that be? Um, ask any lawyer. Any lawyer will tell you that what we do is essential. But, but, but the reality is we are, we're not providing health care services. We're not providing food um, and shelter, things that, that really are essential. So we, we as lawyers have got to get past our ego about, being, uh, about not being essential. Uh, uh, but really what that comes down to is that we're able to continue to provide our services. We, we're just sitting from home. And working remotely, you know, it's a different it's it's a different environment. But from a very selfish point of view, I'm sitting here saying, "Gee, I can get through a day very often without hearing those three dreaded words." Got a minute, uh, and there's nothing more disruptive to a day than got a minute because it's never a minute; it's always more time. And and that what that means is whatever I was working on, I've I've got to stop and uh, and attend to. Uh, the person who walked in my door. So no one's walking in my door right now, uh, but we're still able to have meetings. So uh, we have regular Zoom meetings. I have, we've had shareholder meetings. We have department meetings. We have all kinds of other meetings, you know, within the firm by Zoom, and of course, meetings that we have with uh, with clients and with third parties keep going on through conference calls, um, et cetera, et cetera. So so remote access is. Uh, uh, it's something we're accustomed to. It, I think it's it's part of the way we live. Um, my firm uses um, a program called an app uh, called GoToMyPC. And anywhere I am in the world, I can log on to a computer and get into a secure access, not only to my to, to my network, but also to, to my desktop. So if I have things on my that, that are saved on my desktop that I need for a client, I still have access to it. There's some benefits over... Um, a, a VPN by doing that, but of course with smartphones, you know we can do anything. I mean, look what a wonderful world had 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 this happened twenty years ago, we really would have been stumbled. So um, with everything difficult that's going on, we can be grateful that technology has put us in a position that we can cope a lot better uh, than we did in, in, in the past. All right. Um, now, for for your specific department, and you've spoken on this already. Um, where you're dealing with financial services and uh, bankruptcy. Um, do you feel like this pandemic is affecting your department more so than others or the other way around? Because um, I would imagine this is going to be an area that's going to be seeing a lot more activity uh, very soon if it hasn't already. I, I haven't found any real stumbling blocks. I don't know if others uh, are finding uh, stumbling blocks. I uh, I, I and the others in my in, in my practice group are are good out of the box thinkers. So when we run into a problem, we're we're pretty good at finding another solution. So if one if if one road is blocked, you know we get detours. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. We had an action that we were bringing earlier this week. Um, we the intent was to bring it in. Uh, in the uh, New York Supreme Court, which is unlike the other state Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court is the highest court in the state, in New York is the trial court. 
So we were bringing, you know, in, in the regular state court system, except the state court system has, even, even with electronic filing, has shut down commencement of new actions. But I had a client who felt it was necessary to bring that lawsuit, and we were able to bring it in federal court under diversity. So we, we brought the action. It took a little bit longer, but this morning I saw I did get the summons issued by the, uh, uh, by the Southern District of New York, and my paralegal uh, um, and associates are busy getting that, uh, that summons and complaint out for service now. So, so it, has it disrupted us? It's a, it was a bump, but we were able to get past it. But New York State Court, you know, things are pretty much on hold. Um, federal courts are still open, but um, it's difficult to show up. I mean, I, I've seen things. Most courts are saying don't show up at all, or if, if you have to show up, you need permission to show up in advance. Only those people who are absolutely necessary can come. Uh, but they try to do uh, more and more by phone. Uh, and in uh, some of the cases um, uh, where, where there are significant costs, normally when you use a uh, a court calling in service, uh, many of those are being waived and judges are using regular uh, free conference call services not, so as not to impose unnecessary costs on people. Um, so it, it, it's a different way of uh, conducting business. Transactions are still going forward. New York, um, you know, New York uh, did an emergency measure where you can do um, notaries by FaceTime. Uh, so, uh, so there are provisions for that. Normally, a notary, I, you know, is duly sworn to before me. Well, what does before me mean? Well, now we can do it uh, by some kind of video notaries. So there, there, there are ways around it. It's not, it's not easy, but it certainly could be more difficult. And I think we're managing to get things done. Okay. Um, now, turning away from uh, kind of looking at how you guys are doing business. Um, what are some of the uh, most important things for lenders uh, to consider right now as this uh, pandemic continues, from a legal perspective, that is? Well, you know, there's always a, a marriage of, 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 of law and business. So I, I always try to work closely with clients on uh, uh, legal issues, and very often a legal determination uh, is overridden by a business determination. So, um, you know, the... the um, uh, Late great, recently late great uh, Kenny Rogers said it so well. You know, you got to know when to hold him. You got to know when to fold him. You know, to declaring defaults at this time, you know that that that's a difficult thing to do. Uh, do you really want to declare the default? But sometimes you may have to declare the default. But when you're doing that, how how is that default going to um, fall into state emergency laws? I think you've got to look at a state by state uh, uh, basis. Uh, where is the borrower, and um, is there any prohibition against declaring a default? Now, declaring a default and demanding repayment is one thing. Stopping to make advances is another thing. Decisions on whether to make uh, 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 well, let me put it: a decision on whether to declare a default has a legal implication. Decision on whether to make advances is more of a business implication, but I think I think the lender and and the lawyer have to work together on that. Um, so so that so that those types of things are 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 important. Um, the um, the access to the courts, as I mentioned, that's an issue. Uh, we are seeing an uptick in workouts or calls consulting on whether there should there should be a workout. Uh, you know, we've got plenty of borrowers who were. Um, on the edge before the um, 
the pandemic hit and this has thrown them over. And now lenders have to decide whether uh, we're in workout, whether we're not in workout, whether there's a fault, whether there's not a default. One of the issues that, that, that popped up uh, yesterday and today that's, that's very significant is it, it started to appear as if almost across the board, retailers are unilaterally sending out notices that they're extending payment terms to 120 days. Well, will those receivables remain eligible during that time? And is that a legal decision or is it a business decision? Whether to take those receivables aged over 90 days and put them into the ineligible column, which for which then puts your borrower into an over advanced situation and potential default. Do you declare the payment? Is it can, can you do that under the state emergency laws? These are um, th- these are issues that you know you can't go back. You can't go into uh, onto Westlaw or Lexis and do some research because there's no precedent for it. We've got to make some uh, some tough decisions uh, as they come up, and also try to be reasonable. Um, you know, so hopefully borrowers are stepping up in this, saying, "Well, this is what we need from you. This is what." we can do for you, Mr. Lender, to induce you to make those additional loans and, um, you know, and, uh, and, and then make, make a rational decision. But it's, uh, it, 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 it's, it's not easy. The um, issue that, that popped up in the past two hours, uh, if, for those of us who do keep an eye on what's going on on the Internet, is it, it, it appears that uh, despite all of this, this money being thrown into the marketplace to be available for, uh, for emergency loans to businesses, that, that a lot of lenders are not comfortable uh, with, the, um, with the package and with, and with the legal responsibilities. Smaller lenders, regional lenders, are not comfortable with the margins in these emergency SBA loans. Um, so, um, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of hair out there, and uh, I don't think there are any easy sol- solutions, but... Uh, that issue that popped up, and we may talk about that. I know, I know you wanted. You said you want to talk about the stimulus package, so I can pick up a little more with that later. But these are the kinds of legal issues we're dealing with, you know, all the time right now. And you know, you know, can can our lenders make those loans under the stimulus package? So it's uh, there are plenty of issues. So we, we go on and we do the best we can. Uh, yeah, so um, why don't we why don't we just go right to that right now? Um, what are some parts of the stimulus package that you think will impact? Bankruptcy and uh, secured lending uh, in general. Well, let me start with the um, the uh, p- p- part of that package is um, is is um, of some concern. Let me go through uh, coming the back way in that because I know you know the, you also mentioned bankruptcy. So what's going to happen with bankruptcy? How does the stimulus package affect it? Well, um, the uh, the stimulus package does something that's very interesting. But it, um, but it grew out of the um, uh, the um, Small Business uh, Reorganization Act of 2019, which, when I looked at initially, I didn't think made a lot of sense. Certainly not for the companies that that I get to see, whether uh, they're clients of my firm or cl- or uh, borrowers of, uh, of 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 the lenders I represent. But the um, uh, what 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 it did is that it took the very recent November December 2019 legislation, which had a threshold of a little over 2.7 million dollars to be able to qualify for the Small Business Reorganization Act, 
uh, and it bumped it up for a period of a year up to seven and a half million dollars. So, so, but that's secured and unsecured debt. So, if there's a company, a small, a smaller, smaller end of the middle market that only has um, seven million dollars or seven point four million dollars of secured and unsecured debt in the aggregate, then it then it will qualify um, for. Uh, for uh, a reorganization under Chapter 11. And, of course, the benefits under that is that uh, it's still, in, in almost all cases, there's no creditors committee and there's no need to get um, a plan of reorganization approved by the creditors. So it, it's a much, le much less costly way to go through. And I think um, where uh, a lot of businesses that didn't qualify because their debt was roughly $3 million or more uh, will now fall into that that gap of an additional four and a half or four and three quarter million dollars, so they will be able to come in. So I do I do envision in the long run that there'll be an uptick in um, in small and middle market uh, bankruptcies that we hadn't seen before. Okay, and do you find do you think that those bankruptcies you've already kind of spoken about? Do you think there will be there will be an increase? Um, do you think those bankruptcy proceedings will have like unique aspects to them that we haven't seen before based on this being kind of unprecedented? Well, I, I don't think in the short term, but I think in the long term we will be seeing that. But again, remember that this the Small Business Bankruptcy Act has that that uh, that raised threshold that's, that's for a year. So roughly a year from now, uh, there'll be a sunset. So those who don't take advantage of it uh, will lose it. But... Um, but I think we're going to be seeing uh, more Main Street and middle uh, uh, Main Street and middle market companies filing for bankruptcy. So the the Main Street, the small mom and pop businesses that do more than that have more than uh, two point seven million dollars in debt, but not more than seven point five, will be filing. Middle market businesses. Well, I thought that was going to be coming anyway. I kind of I kind of sensed it was out there. If you saw my article in the ABF Journal in November, uh, it was kind of predicting that we're about there. So. Uh, uh, this may have been the impetus, but if it wasn't this, it, I think it would have been something else. Um, but the, um, I, I think this does provide the opportunities for what we, I used to call the old-fashioned bankruptcy. You know, bankruptcies now too often are, um, uh, are used just to effect a sale under Section 363. But um, I, I always remember that the, the typical reorganization, certainly during my formidable, uh, my formidable years, where a company would file for bankruptcy, they would work out an arrangement with their lenders. They would, they would um, uh, then work out an arrangement with their uh, uh, with their creditors. They'd uh, they'd submit and um, uh, a plan of reorganization, get it approved, and they would they would um, reorganize. And uh, after the effective date, they'd be back on their feet. But that's not the way that's not the way uh, bankruptcy has operated in the past. 15 or maybe even 20 years. Um, it's bank Chapter 11 is used as essentially as a liquidating Chapter 11. But, so I think we're going to see more reorganizations. There'll be many filings. I mean, um, there are a lot of industries that are in stress. You've got uh, probably more than anything that I can think of, hospitality and entertainment. I mean, uh, uh, shows may end up reopening, but... Um, uh, but are they going to get the seat, uh, the, 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 as they like to say, the fannies back in the seats? I mean, Broadway has been dark now for weeks. Um, uh, shows are supposed to uh, run to, uh, uh, for a term. Will they reopen when it's time to reopen? Can they afford it? 
I don't know. Hospitality industry, hotels are closed. Conventions were, 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 were canceled. All of that revenue is never going to be remade. So I don't know how... Uh, how hotel how hotel chains are going to recover from that. So that's an area you may see. And it's, it's going to be hard, in my mind, for companies like those to be able to survive without a reorganization. The supermarkets are still out there. They're selling food. Um, Brick-and-mortar retailers, well, they were in trouble before this, so I don't know if, it, if, if, if we talk about that. Online retailers are doing well. Real estate, um, what's going to happen? Once the, once the commercial tenants fail... You know, the landlords are going to fall in line, and they're going to have problems as well. Uh, manufacturing and distribution, you know, it depends on um, it depends on on, on uh, what the product is and um, uh, whether they have income coming in. You know, uh, is anyone on the job? Are they able to ship? Will they be able to make up for what they're not shipping? Um, you know, uh, their bills are still building up, and uh, you can imagine where things are going. Um, so I think uh, I think we're going to see small companies, small cap companies, um, and they'll be more willing to file. They I don't think there's going to be the stigma that that um, uh, that companies felt was in, uh, would come with a bankruptcy. I think there'll be less of a stigma as a result. Um, so for so for folks like me who've been looking for that that last swan song uh, of of a real good run of bankruptcy work, I suspect we're going to be busy, um, but. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll you know we'll get companies turned around, back on their feet, and be able to recover from the several months of of not doing business. So, um, hopefully, we'll be able to provide companies with a new lease on life. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, kind of taking an even broader view from this, obviously the you know the ABS Journal, our, our main uh, uh, target audience is uh, the ABO world. How do you think, even if this is just you speculating, how do you think? Uh, this pandemic is going to affect the ABL industry, both in the short and long term. Well, I think I think one thing to look at will will the um, will the will the ABLs um, add products to accommodate the um, uh, the uh, um, the CARES Act or the the stimulus package, whatever people want to call it, the PPP, uh, the, the payroll. Um, uh, Whatever it's called, it's slipping my mind at the mo- at the moment. But you know, is, is it, it, yeah, um, is is it? Uh, are they going to get involved in that? There there are reasons that they may or, or may work with their their bank affiliates uh, to be involved in that. But but I think um, I, th- I think notwithstanding what appeared to be a strong economy, you know, I've, as I said, I've long felt that that we were about to have a fallout. You know, the pandemic may have been the impetus for this to happen, but. Uh, but I thought it was going to happen anyway. You know, every sector is feeling the financial pain, and some more than others. And and although some economists think that um, that there's going to be a very quick recovery, I, I hope they're right. But I'm I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure they are. I mean, so so both both sides of the equations. I think existing ABLs are going to find that they've got more defaults and they've got to do something about it. They can either push push out the borrowers, we can work them out, they can turn it to, into dip loans. But I also think that their, um, their new business is going to be coming in. Um, from my experience, uh, banks rarely move um, underperforming loans into their ABL group. I don't know why, but... I almost never have seen it. Uh, just like just like the ABL group and every other group tries to resist moving loans into the workout group, 
but I think they're going to have to. So I think you'll be in, in, a, in a perfect world, you're going to see uh, the middle market lenders in particular uh, pushing out a bunch of their uh, their borrowers. For regulatory reasons, they may push them out of the bank, or they may push them into either the workout group, which is essentially um, uh, 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 like an ABL group, or they'll push them into in, in, into the ABL group itself. But that also means that that ABL groups of banks will be picking up loans coming that are get, getting kicked out of other banks. And, of course, the finance companies, the independent ABLs, are going to have more activity. So I think the activity is growing. It's, it, it's going to be there. Um, and, uh, and then there are new products. Uh, I've been working, even before uh, the pandemic hit, I've been working with a number of my clients who agreed with me that we are on the cusp, uh, at least then we were on the cusp of, of, a, of a significant downtick. We will see whether this is a real downtick and how fast we recover but we've been working on products um, to um, uh, for distressed lending, so that uh, so that our uh, our lenders are there ready when other lenders are kicking are kicking out their borrowers and saying, okay, this is how we can do it. You know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. So so when 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 someone is is being kicked out, someone else is going to make that loan, or the company is going to go away for good. So. Um, uh, I, th- I think that's pretty much what we what I see coming down. Um, uh, I, th- I think there'll be plenty of opportunities for ABLs, and and um, for those who have been in the ABL industry for, um, well, let's say less than less than a decade, uh, it's, it's going to be a rocky road. Whether you're on the new business side, or whether you're on the um, uh, the the operations side, or you know, uh, 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 whether you're a relationship manager, it's it's going to be a tough time. It's going to take a lot of work, and uh, and uh, it's going to be a lot of education going on for those who haven't been through this uh, rodeo before. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's all I have for you today, Jeff. Um, unless there's anything else you wanted to, to share with us, you know, I have a, a, a I have a little story. Uh, this happened yesterday, and I think it's um, it's. It's it's a story that hopefully uh, will 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 understand the meaning and and where it comes from. I, I, I was on a call with a client uh, who sought out my advice uh, about a particular borrower. Obviously, we were each at home uh, when we were doing our calls. By the you know I I find that that when when we had to go to a reduced force workforce from my firm, uh, those who had children at home were the first ones to say, please let me keep coming in because I'm not as productive when I'm home. Because naturally there are distractions. I don't, I don't have kids at home any longer. They're all grown. Um, and so it was easy for me to work remotely without distractions. But, but I'm, I'm on the phone with my, with my client, and we're really working through a, a difficult time. His borrower was, was feeling distressed of the impact from the virus and, uh, and was, did not want to lay off people and really didn't have the money to cover payroll. Um, his, his sales had dropped, his collections had dropped, and he was asking for significant over-advances to carry him through the next several months that he thought he, he needed help. But at the same time, where my client wanted to be accommodating, he didn't want to be accommodating and put himself at risk at the same time. So we were, we were going through this and we were discussing this, and, it was a, it, it, and for him it was emotional because he, was, he felt so strongly about helping this borrower um, 
when, when logically he didn't think it made sense to make the kinds of overdrafts that are being requested, and he was frustrated with the, with the borrower's um, inflexibility on how much money he needed. And in the middle of this, 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 this impassioned discussion, I hear this, this squeaky little voice that goes, Daddy, give me a kiss. And, and my, he was clearly embarrassed by, by the interruption. He apologized. I said, wait a second. I said, let's pause for a second. Let's take a deep breath. And let's remember why we all work so hard and why we bend over so hard to accommodate others and to keep our own business afloat. I said, take, take a moment out. Give your little girl a hug and a kiss. And then we can get back and talk business. But it's important to have a perspective on life while we're going through this. Um, and let's remember what the big picture is. I suspect that, you know, that we're all going to survive this crisis. We're going to get through it. Um, we may be a few steps behind where we wanted to be or where we expected to be. And we may have made some mistakes and we may have some regrets. But then again, in the words of Frank Sinatra, hopefully uh, too few to mention. Great, that's, a, that's a, some good advice for all of us, Jeff. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Okay, thank Phil. Thank you very much. And for the, all of you out there in, the, in cyberspace, thanks for joining in. And stay healthy, be well, and let's all get ourselves back on the feet and all meet together and have a glass of wine to celebrate. <laughs> Great. All right. Thanks, Jeff.